Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Desirability Alt. Today, I'm excited to interview my guest, Dave Barr. Dave Barr is an author, speaker, and comedian focused on demystifying the public's perception of how to interact with people with disabilities. As a founder of Insightful Living, Dave works as an accessibility consultant, aiding organizations to enhance their systems, environments, events, and cultures to be supportive of people with disabilities. Blind from birth, Dave teaches that having a disability is not a hindrance, but an asset. I'm excited to get the chance to talk with him today about communication in the vanilla world, as well as around kink topics. Dave will share with us some of his kinks and his experiences attending parties and dungeons as a blind man. He also shares about his first time going to a dungeon, and we both share our experiences around being educators today. I can't wait for you to hear what he has to share. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome my guest, Dave Barr. Dave, welcome. How are you? Hi there. (laughs) I am awake and thriving. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for getting up early to talk with us today. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm not a morning person at Uh, all, but that's okay. That has nothing to do with you. It has to do everything with me. And hello, (laughs) podcast world wherever and whenever you may be listening. Could you start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure. I am uh, totally blind from birth and I was born three months premature and went to a regular, if you will, mainstream schooling in uh, the Denver, Colorado area. And I'll give you the really short version of which I never tell short anything. Um, But I went to the University of Denver for two years and then I went to CU Boulder, the University of Colorado Boulder, got a bachelor's degree in psychology, started taking uh, music history and theory courses there and then decided, well, why not just do a master's? So I did a master's in historical musicology And in 2011, I met the woman who was my girlfriend, then fiance, and then my wife. Uh, Her name was Priscilla, and she had brittle bones. She was in a wheelchair. She was 34 inches tall and was truly my my angel and soulmate and any other wonderful thing you want to attach to the strongest person I ever knew. And uh, we were married for about three and a half years, and then unfortunately, she passed away of a brain aneurysm in 2017. Um, And then I wrote a book 
just kind of as a catharsis called Prave, which is P-R-A-V-E, uh, The Adventures of the Blind and the Brittle. Um, and it was sort of a catharsis, a self-advocacy story, a love story. And um, ever since then, I've been doing a lot of coaching and pre-COVID had a bunch of speaking stuff lined up. Now I need to start re kind of getting back into that. Um, on disability advocacy on a whole range of topics from accessible technology to, you know, just how to present yourself as somebody with a disability and how to talk to somebody if you don't have a disability. Um, just sort of trying to put myself out there in any way and shape and form and that I can. Um, and now since the pandemic, I'd say about a year or so ago now, um, started really working into sex positivity and disability and um, kink and things like that. So, which is, I, as I recall, kind of what we're going to discuss here. So all exciting things that for me have been parts of my life for a really long time, but I just am now kind of saying, hey, look, this is a part of me that people should know about because I think it at least for some people, it will be interesting. And for others, they'll just be like, meh, okay. But I'm guessing the uh, former some people are the people that are listening to this podcast. So, yeah. hi, that's right. the very, very short, not so short introduction. Awesome, thank you. And I'm sorry to hear about your wife. Yeah, I know, I, I've been there too. My, my husband passed away a few years ago. So I'm really sorry to hear. Stuff. Because for both of it was just sudden, mm -hmm. and, you know. I'm not obviously for her, out of her perspective and stuff, going to discuss our sex life. But of course, there there was still a part of it that we had to change things. We had to switch things around, mm -hmm. and we made it work. Is all I will say. Just in regards to that, is we made it work, and we're sort of proof that. And I think you and I had this discussion that people with uh, disabilities sometimes are thought as asexual, non-sexual, whatever you want to call it, and uh, nothing could be further from the truth. So yes. <laughs> I hope you don't mind if I have coffee during this thing because it's early here. Not at all. Please do. I got my tea. <laughs> oh, good. So there was so much that you said I wanted to ask you about. Now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> but you talked about making things accessible for folks with disabilities. And I love what you said about what you do in talking with people who are not disabled about talking with someone with a disability. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? In the sex arena or non-sex arena or both? Um, or both. So we'll start out with the non-sexual because it kind of leads into the sexual. Um, I have found it more interesting as I've gone on to talk to people who frankly have no clue. They say things that either A, are just kind of like, really, did you just say that? Or B, they're just trying to get information and they're, and they're asking questions about things they know nothing about. I find that to me to be so much more fun. They're kind of, I'm not saying people are, but in a way, it's like talking to a little kid, right? Who really doesn't have any inhibition and just asks what it, asks whatever questions on the, on their mind. I really like that. 
And I think there's something to be said for somebody that's like, I wanna ask you a really stupid question. And I always just kind of smile and say, chances are it's not a stupid question. I might give you a stupid answer, but there's really not a stupid question. What's your question? And sometimes people ask questions that I go, I never thought about that. Or I don't have an answer to that. Or, and so I guess my, my like biggest thing I've noticed is, is, is in, and I have a, a coaching program I call Stop, Look and Listen, which is kind of one of those like, let's just talk about real things that happen with real people because chances are the question that you have is either a question that you've always wanted to know or a question that other people have or a question that I've heard a bunch of times before. And, you know, I don't really mind answering because I've taught you something. Um, when Priscilla and I used to do panel discussions, we'd um, work with several people with different disabilities. And um, we would, people would ask questions and that sometimes there would be times at the end and I, I, you know, after it was over, I'd be like, hey, uh, nobody really asked questions. And she said, no, but if I taught somebody one thing that they didn't know before in that class, then I've done my work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Because I'm the type of person that like I show up on a stage and I'm like, here I am, look at me, I'm the best ever. And, 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 and you should know this and this and this and this. And I've realized over the years that people don't respond like that because it's too much. And so I try not to be quite that intense, but I, I do love what I do, especially when I get up on a stage and I have an audience. But anyway, I think talking with people who have never experienced what I've experienced it is a lot of fun for me. Because sometimes when you talk with people who have been through some of the stuff that I've been through, not everyone, of course, has been through everything, they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. And then the conversation just kind of goes. Mm. It's sort of like preaching to the choir. Right. So I want to go back when you said about when people ask you questions, because in my experience, too, you know, I don't mind when people ask me questions because they're curious. Right. I mind if they're coming at it from like a negative point of view, they're insulting, things like that. Right. But, you know, if they just have a question, you know, I'm fine with that. And I'll notice I'll, I'll have people come up to me and like they have children and, and the child's looking at me or the child wants to ask me a question and the parent's like, no, shh, don't ask. Right, right. And I'm like, no, please ask the question. <laughs> like, let right. them ask the question because how are we going to learn otherwise? Right. So yeah, I agree with you on that. So, and then you had said you want to talk, share about communication around sex as well. Do you want to share about that? The, they sort of bleed into one another because sometimes, you know, my, my joke when I do non-sex positivity things, usually to the audience, depending on the audience, obviously, but one of the, one of the jokes I usually throw out there is, you know, as long as you don't ask me how I go to the bathroom or how I have sex, we're okay. Um, because inevitably someone goes in their mind, they're thinking, I wonder how that works. Um, yeah. But and in people regards, just come right out and say that, right? Some so people, they do. Sometimes they do. For me, maybe not quite as much because mm -hmm. I'm, as it were, I'm just blind. But uh, for somebody who's in a wheelchair, has a, a different you know, disability, 
that maybe doesn't always, you know, show like, how would they do that? Like, you know, for Priscilla, it was always like, well, maybe how, how does that work? You know, because mm-hmm. she was that big. I mean, she was tiny, no. but it works. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think like, you know, even sometimes when I go to play parties or when I go to munches, um, I wrote an article. It's not on my main site, but I wrote an article for Lustery, which is like the, well, they, they purport themselves to be like homemade porn, right? Videos mm-hmm. that are not all made up or whatever. Well, they wanted me to write an article on sex and disability. And what, what ended up coming out of the whole thing was an article on um, being at a play party and somebody describing a scene that was going on in front of me and some other things that had happened during other play parties I've been to, I sort of you know, made them an amalgamation. But I've noticed that it's, it's that sort of thing where sometimes there are people that still, even at a, at a play party in a, in a minority setting, if you will, from, from some culture, people are still kind of like, there's a person who can't see here, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that as long as they don't make it too uncomfortable, uh, just like any other thing. But there's still sometimes that hesitation, I guess, that I think every person with a disability gets, that somebody without a disability gives off because that's just subconscious what happens, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually, it was going to be one of my questions that I asked you if you felt that you were treated differently in the kink scene because of your disability. Yes. Yeah. And some of it I put on myself in a way because for, for example, I'd like to, as a, as a blind person, and this isn't kind of in general for me, I like to be in one spot. So I know my surroundings. I don't like to move around, especially if there's loud music or things like that, because I get disoriented pretty quickly yeah and a lot of people take that as kind of being aloof or snobbish or something like that sometimes where you're just like off in a corner and I've always been that way sexually you know in a a kink thing or a non-kink thing like I just like to know where where I am in space um but I think in the kink scene, you know, the last couple of parties I went to, I think some people may have seen it as like, oh, he's just sort of sitting there off by himself. But it, you know, but once the thing about it is like, once people break that ice and they sort of come talk to me, or I can get somebody to say, you know, to say, hey, this is what I'm into. Can you help me find somebody um, who's who who might be interested? Then. Sometimes once that ice is broken, I can still remain in that same spot and it works, you know, it works out to my advantage. I don't know how explicit you want me to be in in, in details and stuff, but I don't mind sharing those types of things on a podcast like this. Okay. Yeah. How do you break the ice in those kind of situations? So for me, I'm a foot person. I have a foot fetish and I like giving foot rubs. So usually what I'll do is I'll stay in one spot where it might be conducive. This last party that I attended, there was a, a kind of a couch-ish area that was great so that I could give a woman a foot rub. And 
I purposefully kind of put myself there like, hey, this would be a really good spot. And it worked out actually pretty well. Once I gave one foot rub and a woman was like, oh, you should go talk to Dave. He's really, really good. And so by the end of the night, I had given like four or five foot rubs. So for me, it was like, okay, that worked out really well. There have been other times in other, you know, house parties or clubs or whatever, where it's just been either too small or like people have been shifting around or something like that. And in the case of the last one I was at, I was further away from the music, which was fairly loud. But I think anything is fairly loud. I have things pretty quiet around here because if I don't have, uh, if I have my music too loud, I can't hear my computer and my phone talk to me. So mm-hmm. all my music and stuff, and people are like, wow, it's so quiet in here, you know, where, where I live. And I'm like, that's because I have to hear everything that, that talks to me. But like, for me, a lot of the places I've been to have been small enough dungeons that are pretty uniform. And if I go back, they keep things the same way. So uh, about 10, 11 years ago, there was a place I used to go to a, a house dungeon. And after a while, I knew the place well enough, I didn't even need a cane. Um, and I just walk around, you know, kind of put my hands out mm-hmm. to hopefully not bump into anything or anybody. But most people knew me there enough. They had been to enough parties that they, they knew who I was. Um, you know, so as far as like giving foot rubs and stuff, that worked out really well. Um, but like I said, there have been a couple of times where I think people just thought I was sort of sitting there. And apparently I have what I guess it used to be called or might still be called resting bitch face. Like I look like I'm angry or sad or something. And I'm like, I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really not. And, you know, I guess now with, with masks and stuff, people can't always tell facial expressions anyway, which has thrown things into a, a bit of a tizzy. Yeah. Um, but at the last party I was at, I didn't have a mask um, because I was vaccinated and felt like I was I, I was safe enough. Um, and it ended up working out really well, you know, like I said. Um, but it's 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 kind of it's a it's a contextual thing, and it's you know it's it's who knows whom and who who can talk to people. I think the hardest thing for me is when you go to that party and people are like what are you into? And I have no problem talking about what I'm into and all that. I, I have no problem striking up that conversation, but it's the fact that as a blind person, and I know a lot of other blind people kind of are in the same predicament where let's say, let's be real stereotypical, like at a bar, you know, a lot of guys will kind of look at the girl across the way wow, she's really hot. Like, let's talk to her. Let's see if I can get her attention. You try and kind of like wave her over. I can't do that. And so I have to kind of get somebody to be like, hey, I like that. You know, sometimes it's literally been, and I don't go, I think it's a bar scene or the club scene, but occasionally I've gone to a couple and I'm like, I like that girl's voice. Can, Can you help me talk to her? And people that know me have been like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, and we'll talk or whatever. And it's kind of been the same thing sometimes at a, at a kink uh, play party where I'm like, wow, I really like, I like her voice, you know, or if I hear her walking, I'm like, wow, she, you know, she might be wearing really nice heels or something like that. But usually what I'll try and do is I'll talk to the host or hostess of, a, of the, the, the kink party and say, this is what I'm into. Can you maybe give me a hand? And it, it usually works out pretty well. I'm pretty, pretty gregarious if I can talk. Like I said, I try and kind of avoid 
louder music areas because I have trouble shouting over and, and hearing where all the music is. Anyway, I just gave you a whole bunch of information. But. Well, I was going to ask, so, so when you go to these parties, do you go by yourself and you talk to the host or do you take someone with you usually like to be your wingman? Say? Um, you know, I've done, I've done it both ways. Usually it's just me. Um, okay. Sometimes I've had to take like a Lyft or an Uber there. The last party I went to, I did go with somebody who kind of was, was, not, but I, I don't know. He, he was my ride, but I didn't want, and I told him this, I said like, I don't want you to be, um, like, I don't want you to feel like you have to constantly like watch over me, like go do your thing. Mm -hmm. And this was like a year ago too. This was sort of pre-COVID um, and all this happened. I haven't been out since for a while for that sort of thing, but like, I didn't want him to feel like I, like I was the burden, like he had to watch out for the, the other guy. Like I could handle myself. Mm -hmm. So generally, what I'll do is I'll talk to the host sometimes beforehand, or if I know the host, or if they know me, I'll say, this is kind of what I'm into. Can you help me maybe find somebody or just, you know, it all sort of depends. I try not to do the wingman approach because then I feel like a burden, you know? Um, so usually by myself, when whenever things start to kind of open back up again. I like that idea of talking to the host. I think that's a, a really good, Idea. It's so worked out well. In a, yeah, it's worked out well in a couple of situations too. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you did your thing in class when people you get your your courses for the next semester and then you talk to the professor and say, just so you know, you have a person with a disability in your class. Yeah. Um, it, it always it, I always liked doing that. There are some people, some other blind people I knew in school who would just be like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm like why they need to know mm -hmm. and then even sometimes like halfway through the semester through the semester somebody would start complaining about accommodations and then they'd be like did you talk to the professor well no well that's why they don't yeah. know right you know um and with all due respect with people that have invisible invisible disabilities um i can't speak specifically for those people but i know that that's got to be tough to yeah. be like I have to admit something that I don't want to admit. Right. Um, for me, I found mind. that um, being in the kink scene has actually helped me to be better able to advocate for myself, you yeah, know, advocate for my needs in the scene, advocate for myself in terms of sexuality. Have you had a similar experience with that? Do you feel like kink has helped you in that way? Yes. Um, and in that article that I wrote, I basically said, it's interesting to be a minority within a minority yeah. because for the most part, people there have far less judgment about things because they already know that quote unquote mainstream society goes, oh, those kink BDSM people, they like those whips and chains and all that dark, creepy, dirty stuff. And most of us are like, actually, our dungeons are usually very well lit, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and we know exactly where the whips are. But yeah, I, I found that it's allowed me to be more succinct in what I in, in getting my needs across. And it's allowed me to definitely feel less judged 
um, for the most part. You know, it, it, it's so dependent on the party that you're at or the people that you're with or the munch that you're at. I've been, in, you know, I've been in some munch situations where obviously, you know, you're at a restaurant and they're okay. You know, usually the restaurant's been informed, hey, we talk about some kink stuff. Can we try like and not keep kids by the table? Um, I've been in some where I'm like, even just as a person, the atmosphere felt really, really strange. But I've been at other munches where I'm like, no, this was a lot of fun because, you know, the group accepted me just as a person and made all the jokes and I made all the jokes. And I think that's part of it too, I think is like making fun of your disability actually allows people to, re to relax a lot more, um, I think. Um, yeah. because then they don't feel like if I make the first crack at my disability, if I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I've heard all the blindfold jokes before. Nope. Don't need one. You know, you uh -huh. can restrain me. Go ahead. Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. People go, oh, oh, that's great. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's not so bad. Uh -huh. um, because then they're like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't make fun of him. He did. Right. You know, and you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of the same thing of the, the, the people of color making fun of the people of color. It's kind of mm. a, kind of that same sort of thing. I think I'm white, so I don't quite, I can't obviously quite equate, but I think that it's that same sort of thing where you sort of break the ice of your own people's, you know, you take away that bit of discomfort. Um, but yeah, I've, in general, I found it to be, to be a, a little bit more freeing being in the kink scene because there are already uh, there are already people there that are going, what am I doing? Who am I? Who am I? You know, as a person sexually, what am I interested in? Oh, that looks interesting over there with the violet wand. Let's try that. Oh, hey, that person is over there in the spanking vents. Let's try that. You know, and people are really discovering themselves sometimes for the first time and they get done in with the scene and they go wow that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed that you know and in my case you know with a, with a, a, a foot scene I've definitely had women be like wow never had that before that was great thank you you know and mm -hmm. to me there's there's nothing better than someone you know are you interested in it yes okay well let's try it you know oh I don't really like this I don't like that but anyway, it was that same sort of thing where like, if you explore and you communicate, I think what I found up more in the kink scene too is like, because if it's done well, a scene has to have so much communication because people for the most part are just getting to know each other in a usually fairly intimate way. It's like, we have to be pretty verbal, not all the time, but there's a lot more verbal communication that goes on um, in a scene where people are sometimes, you know, they've known each other for literally 20 minutes. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm really good at this. Do you want to try this? Sure. Um, and I've seen, you know, we've all seen the bad scenes that go down because someone does something and they don't communicate it. We've all seen that happen. Yeah. Um, and it happens mm -hmm. and you go, and I've done it and you've done it. Everybody's done it. We're like, shit, I just did it without thinking, mm -hmm. you know, you know, damn it. I didn't even think about that. We've all done it. And someone's like, nope, sorry. Nope. Oh, oh okay sorry um but the, the one thing that always gets me is like if I give a foot rub I ask I ask for a safe word because um I don't want to hurt somebody mm -hmm. and I can't see somebody's face so sometimes 
you know, if I use too much pressure or I bend their foot the wrong way, you know, I've had some women say, hey, I broke my ankle, don't, you know, bend my foot or they don't tell me and I bend it the wrong way and they're like, shit, stop. And, you know, okay, obviously, mm -hmm. usually stop is not a safe word, but in that case it was. In the, right. in, the, in the scene I'm thinking of, this woman was like, stop. And I totally did because you know, I don't want to hurt somebody. It's not my goal. It's my goal to relax them. But I, I've had a couple, more than one woman be like, why do I need a safe word for a foot rub? And I'm like, because I can't see your face. And they're like, oh, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those, it was another one of those moments of like, hmm, never thought about it, thought about that before. Mm -hmm. anyway I'm sort of rambling on but that's a great idea I like that idea can you tell me a little bit about when you first came into the kink scene what that experience was like for you yeah it was it was kind of a weird but funny sort of circuitous I don't know quite how it happened type turn of events I had a friend who was a former uh roommate of mine in the dorm that I was living in about 12 years ago in college and um he posted on Facebook, he said, I'm proud that a friend of mine has just become a pro dominatrix. And I wrote, hey, that's really cool. Can I get some more info? I ended up talking to this woman who still runs a dungeon about an hour south of me or so. And somehow I ended up going not to her club, but to a different club that only unfortunately was around for about a month after I um, started joining it. But it was in, as unfortunately some of these, these clubs are, it was in a kind of meh part of town, but it was in a warehousey type district where you just didn't usually go at like eight o'clock on a Friday evening. And the only way that I could think of getting there was using paratransit. So I called up paratransit. I, there was no bus route. Right. And so I called up and I said, this is where I need to go. And they were like, okay. And I booked the ride like a week in advance. I get on the bus. I didn't have my guide dog at the time. I think I'd left her because I wasn't sure, you know, what to expect. So I just was on the bus with my cane and it's just me. And the guy looks at the address and he goes, you know, that's in blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah. And he's like, what's there oh no i'm like i'm just meeting some friends or i, I don't know what i said something like that like well yeah i'm just meeting some people and clearly he was just like okay and we drove over there it was a long drive and uh from where i live and we drove over there over there we got a little bit lost of course and i called the the guy who ran the club and said, you know, we are here. Can you help us? Well, eventually we showed up and uh, they met me outside and I went in and it was set up and it was one of the nicer, more relaxed, fun, open, cool places I've ever been to. Um, and it was a, a perfect introduction to like a bunch of people that had known each other for years. Um, that ran, they ran a club and they became for a number of years, probably four, probably, yeah, about four years, kind of my, my extended family, my really kind of more my family. I would mm -hmm. go see them once they moved out of that club, they didn't have too long there. 
once they moved out, then I, I saw them at a house that one of the people owned. Um, but uh, yeah, I got rides that weren't paratransit. Luckily, I only had to do the paratransit thing like once. Um, I did get rides from other people that weren't paratransit, but my, I just, I've always laughed because my introduction to the scene was taking paratransit to a club and just this kind of yeah, scary, not like I'm going to shoot you type scary, but like, you know, like I said, a place you wouldn't go at like eight o'clock on a Friday usually. Right. Um, and the paratransit ride back, the guy didn't really care where he picked me up. He was like, you're my last ride and I'm going home, whatever. And I was tired anyway. But like, they were just the nicest people at the club, made me feel welcome, didn't judge me for being blind or my fetishes or my kinks or like, they let me ask questions. It was just, it was, it was really cool to, to be in that, you know, to be in that way. Mm -hmm. um because i have heard of some other people not with disabilities but just some other people who were introduced into the scene and they felt more kind of straight jacketed like these are the rules this is what you do and it's like that's not how it works you ask questions and you learn yeah. and so i i got i got fortunate to to meet some people that were like by all means ask questions here are some basic rules, you know, and they, they were your basic consent rules, which, you know, made perfect sense to me. Um, and I think I was able to accept a lot of the, the consent and a lot of the communication rules because I need to have consent and communication even outside of the scene, just walking around, you know. It's not consent when somebody, as I'm walking down the street, reaches out and grabs my arm and says, hey, can I help you? Yeah. Exactly. which happens a lot and why do they do it they do it because that's their first immediate impulse reaction because i might look lost you don't just grab somebody but it happens to a lot of blind people and unfortunately a lot of blind women i cannot mm -hmm. speak for i can't speak for for women but i can say that if i were a woman and someone just grabbed me like that that would scare the living shit out of me yeah with walking with crutches i've had people come up and do that to me it is scary. Yeah. right yeah. yeah and so you know for me all the things like oh you need to ask this and ask this it was like okay that makes perfect sense because it's stuff that i prefer people to do you know for the most part like outside of the scene so i got i got lucky and then um you know i wasn't in the scene while brazil and i were together and as i gone back into the scene after she passed away, I sort of tried to reach out to some of the, the people that were still in the scene that I knew most of them have scattered, most of them have moved, you know. Um, unfortunately, one of my mentors in the scene passed away shortly after Priscilla passed away, which was, mm -hmm. that was tough, because he was like, just one of the coolest, nicest, most neurotic, but inventive people I have ever met. Um, and I really miss him. He was just such a cool, he wasn't disabled, but he just, he was such a cool guy that he was the first person to tell me, hey, look, just remember, my kink is not necessarily your kink. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like that was the, one of the first things he said. Like that phrase, which sounds so simple, has been like sort of the guiding phrase for me of like, well, 
all right, because you know you hear people, oh, that's gross, that's blah, blah, blah. Even sometimes in the scene when someone says, I'm into blah, 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 and someone says, oh, that's gross. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, but uh, it doesn't always have to be, you know? Right. Right. I-, I get that. Well, feet are gross. Yes, they can be, believe me, I've seen some gross ones. Um, you know, if you don't take care of them, yeah, they're gross. I don't really want to touch them myself. Um, you know, I have standards too, but that, that one phrase from this one mentor of mine, who was just like, so creative and so, uh, wonderful about just being like, well, you could do this and this and this and this. And he really opened my eyes to a lot of different things and a lot of experimentation and, and, and things like that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, um, Glad to hear that you have a mentor um, or you had a mentor. I have a mentor also, and she's been wonderful. You know, like just somebody that I can go to with questions and, you know, we talk and we're it's really weird to be on, Yeah. And it's weird to be on the other end of that, mm-hmm. which happened to me at a play party a while back. I think the last, the last big one I went to, this person was showing me around and I realized they were showing me around the house where the party was because I just, I needed to know where things were. And I realized, oh, I'm, I'm straight, but this guy was, there was, there was no other word for this guy. He was just cute. Uh-huh. He was just cute because he was like, what's this and what's that? And he was asking about like some terms that I was throwing out because yeah. he, he just wanted, and I was like, wow, I'm on the other end of this. Yeah. And it was so much fun. I had uh-huh. so much fun being the teacher. Yeah that I'd never thought about it. Like, and I think that's one of the things you and I talked about last time, like being the teacher of, of like people that want to know these things and want to know the, the terminology and kind of the rules and like, and the, and, and how things are supposed to go so that they're not taught the wrong things. And so it was really fun to kind of be on the other side of that after a decade, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, for me, when I started doing blogging and educating, I was just talking about sex and disability. And I was pretty quiet about being in the scene. But then I realized that people with disabilities were also interested in kink. You know, I wasn't the only one. And so it was like, yeah, like I've learned so much, so much in the last eight years. Why wouldn't I share what I've learned? And, uh, and it, it does, it feels good to be able to help other people. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's one of those things where oddly enough, being isolated in the pandemic has sort of allowed me to kind of bring out that part of, and being, you know, in, in the pleasure professionals group too, has kind of allowed me to sort of bring that side out of me with less fear, I wouldn't say there's no fear, but less fear of being judged about who I am as a person, because the people that are listening to this are the ones that are going to get it and the ones that aren't are just going to be like oh that's strange yeah <laughs> you know like <laughs> right i can't stop you guys and that's your that's your personal opinion but you know this is the road that i that i feel most comfortable going down right now mm-hmm. and uh, it's exciting yeah it's, it is. it's scary but it's exciting uh-huh. and i think it's just like people in the vanilla world that just don't know about kink or know about all the things that we do that it's like this big scary thing to them 
is um, and it doesn't I, have to be exactly it, it there's this idea of and i can't speak much on it but there's this sort of because i don't know too much about it but this this idea of oh using the word vanilla as this sort of like pejorative negative thing and i'm like no Right. What I think is vanilla is what some people think is kinky. And what I think is kinky, some people think is vanilla. Yeah. Pretty simple. Right. It's all personal preference. And I think this sort of this sort of division of vanilla and kinky in this like one extreme or the other is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, because chances are if you're listening to this and you've not been exposed to something in the kink world or you've been exposed to it in, shall we say, the wrong way, um, which I won't go into, you know, there are ways to learn. There are places to, you know, be educated. There are classes, there are people like Angela and myself to talk to about who have been in that area so that you don't get fed this mis misinformation about what it is and what it isn't and who these people are and get fed these sort of echo chamber stereotypical uh, guidance principles that are usually just flat out wrong. I'm yeah. purposefully generalizing to avoid generalizing, I get it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't wanna just call out I don't like just calling out, you know, specific people or specific things, but I think you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask, with your coaching that you do, do you have clients that are interested in alternative lifestyles or interested in kink? Do you talk about that in your coaching? I haven't talked about it, um, but I can. It's definitely, it's not something that's come up with some of the people that I've worked with, but it's, it's a area that I really am drawn towards and I'd really like to work more in that space, which is one of the reasons I contacted you of like, how can I get disability advocacy or even just sex and the idea of like, so my coaching program is called Stop, Look and Listen, which I think is like a perfect mantra for the kink scene um, because it, you know, where I go to in that would be like, stop you know physically or mentally look around and say okay what am i looking at what's going on in front of me let's say you're at a party and listen is this something i'd be interested in who can i talk to am i and does this catch my interest and i think it's a little kind of easy way to get yourself involved in in kink or in sex and disability but um, i don't currently have any clients in in that space but i wouldn't mind talking to them because if they want to know it's, it's something that it's something that can be coached, I think. You have to go and experience it, but I think it also is something that can be coached once somebody has, you know, say, gone to a party or a munch or talked to somebody. And, you know, if they were to come to me and say, you know, what do I do about this? How, I didn't know how to feel about this or, or something like that. So not at present, but always looking for clients. So. Great. So if anyone's listening to this and they wanted to reach out to you, if they had questions, they could do that? Oh, most definitely. Awesome. Yes, I, uh, I own my own company called In-Sightful-Living. Um, and uh, it's a company that does disability, well, what we're doing now, disability advocacy and 
accessibility and coaching and uh, interviewing and hopefully more public speaking once people are more public. Yeah. <laughs> what do you hope to see in the future as far as disability and sex positivity and kink? Um, what do you hope to see more support, more accessibility? What types of things do you hope for in the future? Yeah, I think, I think more support, more uh, wheelchair-friendly areas if possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of play parties, if they're in a house, are usually in the basement dungeon. And there's mm -hmm. usually not a good way for someone in a wheelchair to get down there. Um, but yeah, I think more, like you said, more support, um, more honest and just open communication about these things. Um, and more people just ask you questions because they need to ask questions. And just kind of like, you know, even outside of, of sex positivity and disabilities, just more people not being afraid, even if they think, I always tell people, if they're like, can I ask a question? I think it's a dumb question. Like I said in the beginning, like even if you think it's the dumbest question, please ask it because chances are either I've heard it before or I've never heard it and I don't have an answer. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't know and I don't have an answer, but I know somebody who might, or, you know, I just, I simply don't know. I would rather admit what I don't know than just make something up. Um, and sometimes I'm, you know, People, oh, you're, you're too honest. How can you, I don't know how you can be too honest, I suppose. But yeah, I think just more support. And I suppose the biggest thing that I'd love to see is to somehow, what I wanna see, I think most is to try and get around or work through this stigma that a person with a disability, no matter what, um, is not a sexual creature that, you know, people with disabilities can be very sexual, just has to be modified or adapted in some way. Um, and I think that just takes, you know, people like yourself and myself talking through these things and going places once things open up, just to say like, hey, look, here we are, this is what we can do, which, you know, some people might sort of be like, oh, are you some sort of inspirational E? Well, yeah, I guess it is. I don't mind inspiring in that respect because I think people with disabilities who are interested in the kink scene and things like that should be able to go out and say, look, this is what I wanna do. Yes, I have a disability, here I am. Um, and have people look at them and say, all right, let's do a scene. What do you wanna do? How can we do it? Um, and it's it's getting there. It's just, it's a slow process, but it's it's getting there. Yeah. Think it is too. I'm I'm pretty hopeful for the future that things will get better. Yeah. You know, the more we communicate, and you know, the more that we're accepted, and the more people ask questions, like you said, absolutely. And to do it in a way, and for the people with disabilities that that are listening, there tends to be. I'm I'm going to make a generalization here because we've all done it. Sometimes there tends to be a sort of pushy way of getting things across because like, well, I have a disability and I do this and I do this. And it's sort of pushing back from that, getting or stepping back from that instead of being like, well, because of this and because of that, you have to sort of step back and kind of 
I have to even sometimes remember to myself, hey, these people don't know what I've been through. They don't know what it's like to be blind. And, you know, I'll even find myself sometimes having to like bite back a retort that's not necessary in a situation where, uh, you know, I year, years back, let's say 10 years ago, I would have just pushed right on and kind of made some comment that maybe wouldn't have helped the situation. So I think it's kind of, it's kind of a, a give and take that that's a balance sometimes where we as people with disabilities, there's a time to be forthright and outspoken and, and show who we are, but there's also a time to kind of step back and say, uh, yes, this is who I am. What do you think? Um, if, that, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. I agree with you. I know that, um, Similarly, there's like a time to be angry and say like, this is what we need and deserve. And, and, and then there's a time to say, hey, let's work together, right. um, you know, and, and do it in such a way that um, we're, we're all welcome to the table right. and that we can all work together and, right. you know, end up having a great experience. Exactly. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, we've all been through the anger and the hurt and the shame and the annoyance and the self-pity. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, a, I wrote a, something that may or may not become a blog or whatever, but it was like, if you don't experience that self-pity, then you're not experiencing life. If you don't experience the depression, if you don't, like, you have to go through some of these self-hurdles to kind of get above it, which sounds sort of preachy, but I've just thought throughout the years and you know especially with grief and things like that like you have to go through these moments yeah. to go all right I've hit this low point now where do I go and how can I go get you know go up from here yeah so yeah so one last question how would you recommend for people who are blind who might be interested in kink um what advice would you have for them? Um, there are a couple, I know there's a couple of FetLife groups out there. If you're interested, you know, feel free to get on my website, contact me. Um, if you have the opportunity to go to a munch, I would do that first uh, and kind of talk to people, let them introduce themselves. You kind of tell them what you're interested in. And munches are great for anybody, but you know, a way, I think even before I went to that dungeon, I may have gone to a munch first, now that I think about it and said, you know, hi, this is what I'm interested in. It was, it was a public way to sort of break the ice. I didn't meet a lot of those people until sometimes until years later and they were like oh you with the first munch i was at and i was like oh right that was a long time ago um because people just come and go at those things but i would say go to a munch first talk to people be introduced say what you're interested in and then try and you know go to a play party if you can. Nowadays with Uber and Lyft it's easier you don't have to quite use paratransit unless you absolutely have to. Um, yeah, it's more expensive, but you get right there. Um, and, uh, or if you go to a munch and someone says, hey, we're having a party, uh, you know, on Saturday, do you want to come? And you know, then you can arrange your ride that way. That's how I would start out. And then, you know, in 
at the party, just ask questions, be gregarious, let people ask whatever questions they have. That's, that's what I would do. Great, thank you. And how can folks reach out to you if they wanted to contact you? So best way would be, um, well, I guess there, nowadays there are zillions of ways that people can be contacted. Mm -hmm. Best way is to go to my website, which is in, I-N hyphen sightful, S-I-G-H-T-F-U-L living.com. There's a contact form there. Um, email is dave at insightfulliving.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter as DC Bar, but not really active unless it's baseball season because most of my tweets are about baseball. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, although I prefer if you didn't contact me through there because that's really just for the accessibility part of my business, not the, uh, the sex and disability uh, portion. The LinkedIn's more for like the website accessibility and the, the coach stuff like that. But uh, the, the Facebook and the, the, uh, the email um, are probably the best ways to contact me. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a great discussion and hope people will learn a lot from this. So thank you. I hope so. I had a lot of fun. I talk a lot yeah. and I hope everybody has a great day and uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. And thank you so much for having me on here and letting me talk about this. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to Dave and check out his book called Prave, P-R-A-V-E. Prave, the adventures of the blind and brittle where he'll share more about his relationship with Priscilla. If you check out the show notes, you'll see a link to the article Dave wrote for Lustery. It talks about accessibility in a dungeon for someone who's blind, and we never hear about that, so please check that out. At the end of every episode, I'll be asking a question for you to consider. Today's question is, as a person with a disability, how comfortable are you when people ask you questions about your disability? What type of questions do you feel comfortable with? What type of questions do you feel uncomfortable with? Please go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R-Ability.com and share your thoughts with me. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. Stay well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D I S. I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.